Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the December 4th episode. We are covering 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, 2 Peter, 1 John, Micah, Nahum. And the last chapter in 1 Peter. And the last chapter of first Peter, I actually read ahead last week. So yeah, let's start in first Chronicles. Let's see what we've got there. I don't think I realized how repetitive this section of the old Testament is. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I don't mind it. It's kind of fun to be like, Oh, right. That happened in this order. And I like how we've read the timing of how we've read this like Old Testament narrative along with the prophets and how the time frames coincide. Mm-hmm. In 26, 31 through 32, it says, according to the family tree of the Hebronites, Jeriah held pride of place. In the 40th year of David's reign, his last, the Hebron family tree was researched and outstanding men were found in Jazer in Gilead, namely Jeriah and 27,000 men of his extended family. David, the king, made them responsible for administration of matters related to the worship of God and the work of the king in the territory east of the Jordan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh. So I don't really know, but I'm kind of, I guess it made me wonder whether these people, because they were on the other side of the Jordan, if they were kind of forgotten about. Yeah. So they just, (laughs) David's like, oh, there's other great people. Let's put them in charge of things. Yeah. And so I thought that was kind of neat that. Again, we're back to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh that mm-hmm. settled on the other side. And the, kind of what, ha- what they were afraid might happen is kind of what happened. They were sort of forgotten about, and they Separated, didn't want to forget yeah. their people and what their people stood for. And that's why they were building that altar on the other side of the Jordan. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I, in my notes, I wrote, I wrote, like, I was quoting David, oh, look, we have more great dudes. <laughs> um, as I was reading it, I was thinking, man, they got put in charge of this really great thing they got called out for being great and they were responsible for the worship of God and what an honor that would be and just wondering sort of in my skeptical looking at it going gosh I wonder how long it took that to feel begrudging you know like for them to do this work and for it to be like the thing that they had to wake up and go do you know the worship yeah the being worship. in charge of the worship yeah it's like this it's this fantastic honor and they're being it's like david's priority it's to make sure that god's being worshiped the way that he deserves and the human heart is the human heart so you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't take long for them to be like because you know you're picturing these priests that are i mean they're still doing it now in the time of jesus we're reading mark and these priests are the ones that are like taking money and bribes and it's all about Mm -hmm. money and i'm sure it didn't take very many generations for it to become Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I was kind of thinking along the same lines, but my favorite part was in 
Chronicle, First Chronicles 29, where David's like telling Solomon to build the temple mm-hmm. and he's got all of the stuff. And he, David was so passionate about building God's temple. Yes. Like he wanted, remember he wanted to do it. And God was like, nope, you're a man of war. I want Solomon to do it. And so David is the opposite of begrudging. Like instead of getting upset because he didn't get to do it, he provides everything Solomon could ever possibly need including to build the, the temple. Including the detailed plans, yeah. Right, including the detailed plans. And it says in 29.3, moreover, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver for the house of my God over and above all that I've provided for the Holy house. So David has like gathered all of the everything. Like he has the plans. He's gathered the people's stuff, the stuff that, you know, like the people have to build the temple. And then he's like, okay, now I'm going to give my personal store. Like now I'm going to personally give what I have to build God's temple. And so I just loved, I loved reading through that, but that's what made me think like, we've got David, then we've got Solomon things just kind of fall apart. Like it, like you just said, it wasn't very many generations before the house of Israel falls apart and they just completely stop worshiping God. And so I don't know, that was just something I was mulling over just how quickly we get distracted. Mm -hmm. I was actually looking at, I, I have a lot underlined in that section that you're talking about too. And some of the things that were highlighted for me, I love that it says, and again, it's Eugene Peterson's version, but it says, look sharp. Now God has chosen you to build his holy house. Be brave, determined, do it, do it. Yes. I have that underlined too. I just love like, be brave, be determined and do it. And Mm -hmm. then not, that's in 28, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then in 29, I love this line. He says, my son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to do this, but he's young and untested Mm -hmm. and the work is huge. Mm-hmm. This is not just a place for so, people to meet each other, but a house of God to meet us, a house for God to meet us. Like I just. Right. And then like right after that, like this is David again. This is one of the things I love is that David, David's like expressing that Solomon's young and inexperienced. This is a huge job, huge job. And he says, so to the best of my ability, I've made provision for the house of my God. It's like this yeah. thing, David's like, I don't get to do the thing, but I'm going to be as involved as I possibly can. And I'm going to make sure Solomon has every tool that he needs. Yes. Because the work is huge. Yeah. Just that. I loved that like father, that fatherly side of David. We're glad you're tuning into the recap and we'll get right back to it shortly. But did you know we're going to be hosting a Bible reading plan challenge starting in 2021? We'll have incentives and accountability and spoiler alert, listening to the recap will count as you're reading if you fall behind. If you're already reading along, maybe you could join our podcast as a guest. This challenge will be a fun and easy way to get your friends and family to dive into God's word with you. This way we can all be on the same page all year long. Please rate, review, and share the recap. It helps people find us and builds our community of believers who love God's word. Oh, I noticed in First Chronicles that they skipped the part of, it says, then they ceremonially re- reenacted Solomon's coronation, anointing David's son before God as their leader and Zadok as priest. Solomon sat on the throne of God as king in place of David, his father, and everything went well. All Israel obeyed him. All the leaders of the people, including all the sons of King David, accepted Solomon as their king and promised their loyalty. Solomon rode high on a crest of popular acclaim. 
it skips the whole part where his other son was trying to usurp the throne and he was at war like you missed oh the entire, yeah like <laughs> yep there's a whole other story there it's so mm-hmm. funny it just makes me right think about... when Bathsheba comes in and says hey you promised yeah it makes yep. me think of um Boaz and like you see this like his story is very Christ-like you can kind of see a comparison of Jesus and a lot of who Boaz is and you forget that it's just a snapshot the story is just right. being told this way He's a human who's done all these other things, but mm-hmm. the glory of God is written on that part of his story so clearly. And that this is what it makes me think of is like mm-hmm. this is first chronicles gives us one snapshot of Solomon's yep. coronation and coming into king kingdom. First kings we get to see and the human side yeah. of it that wasn't nice and tidy and neat, like it shows it in First Chronicles. It's yep. kind of cool. God writes his stories and he writes multiple stories on all of our lives. Anything from second Chronicles? I don't think so. Micah. I have one thing. There's lots of beautiful things in Micah, but I have Mm. one thing that I think I'm going to use it for Prince of Peace. It makes me think, okay, so this is just such a word for us right now. I love it so much in Micah chapter seven verses eight through 10. Don't enemy crow over me. I'm down, but I'm not out. I'm sitting in the dark right now, but God is my light. I can take God's punishing rage. I deserve it. I sinned, but it's not forever. He's on my side and he's going to get me out of this. He'll turn on the lights and show me his ways. I'll see the whole picture and how right he is. And my enemy will see it too and be discredited. Yes, disgraced. This enemy who kept taunting. So where is this God of yours? I'm going to see it with these, my own eyes, my enemy disgraced trash in the gutter. That's a picture of peace in the midst of trial. Like he's like, yes, I'm a sinner. I deserve this. And for a while, like I'm going to go through a really hard time because my God loves me. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, I'm going to see the whole picture for what it is. And I'm going to be sitting by my friend, Jesus, and my enemies are going to be disgraced. Anybody who's asking where God is, they'll find out where he is. I can take the darkness right now because I know that it's only because for I a know. time. Yes. And I know that I deserve the darkness. Ultimately, this is where this is where we are supposed to be because he loves us. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, this is so good. It's so good for us personally in our own intimate trials, but it's so good for us as a nation and as a world for us believers in the midst of the world. It's like, this is how we should be. Like, yes, mm-hmm. this is, we deserve God's judgment. Yeah. In the end. We're going to end up in a place we do not deserve because our God loves us. It's going to be amazing. I just love it so much. So Micah 4 is a section that I loved, which totally goes along with that. In verse 10, partway through, it says, You will go to Babylon, and there you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the grasp of your enemies. And then it goes on to talk about how, like, you don't understand or know the Lord's intentions. God's people went to Babylon because of their sin. Babylon was their consequence for all of their disobedience. Mm -hmm. And yet they went to Babylon so that they could be rescued. Yes. And if you're really, we talked about this, like if you're reading the Bible in a year, you see the generations and generations and the patience, like we, in the past, all we see is like this short, these judgments and the coming of the, of the judgment. Mm -hmm. But like, we, we just spent just weeks and weeks looking at these Kings that were atrocious and like mm-hmm. God was so slow to anger. He was so mm-hmm. quick for mercy. 
And even this Babylon, like you're saying, like this, the Babylonian exile was merciful. It was his love for them that was like, I'm going to take you away for a while so you can see Mm -hmm. what it's like without me. And then I'm coming back for you. Yeah. And then I will, each man will sit under his own shade tree. Each woman in safety will tend her own garden. God of the angel armies says so. And he Mm -hmm. means what he says. Well, I'm just excited about studying Genesis because these things like where it says he means what he says, God of the angel armies says so. And he means what he says. I feel like Genesis is just, we're going to see promise after promise. Like this is where he makes his promises. It's just going to be long book of promises that we're going to be able to go. This is going to happen because God of the angel army says so. Studying those promises as we read through the whole Bible again. Yeah. And get that whole big picture of it. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Peacemaker of the world. That's in Micah. Micah has a pretty awesome ending too. I know there have yes. been a few books where we've talked about like what a way to wrap up. And Micah's is pretty fantastic. Almost all the prophets. Go ahead and read yeah. it. Um, Starting at 19 or 18. Yeah, I I have the last line of 17 underlined too, because it says mm-hmm. they will stand in awe of you. But verse 18 says, who is a God like you forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast out our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show loyalty to Jacob and faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our fathers from days long ago. I love it. Okay. Now we're in the New Testament. So we're going to the end of first Peter. What I loved about the end of first Peter is that he talks about Mark. Oh my goodness. Does he talk about Mark? I, oh yeah, there he does. I, that's funny. I noticed, I think it was in second Peter that he talks about Paul. I was like, yes. And I loved that. So at the end of first Peter, he says, um, I think I thought I talked about this last week, but he says the church in exile here with me, but not for a moment forgotten by God wants to be remembered to you. Mark, who was like a son to me says, hello, give holy embraces all around. I love, I just love that Mark is with him. So Mm -hmm. Mark was with Paul and then Mark left. And that's why Paul got mad at Barnabas because Barnabas basically was taking Mark's side who I think, Mm -hmm. I think Barnabas and Mark are cousins. Anyway, so now Mark is with Peter and whereas that might cause division in other places here, we find that not only does Mark, is Mark like a son to Peter, which turns out obviously must be a blessing to Peter that Mark Mm -hmm. left Paul because he Mm -hmm. becomes really close with Peter. Um, But we see that Paul and Peter have a lot of respect for each other. Mm-hmm. So jumping into second Peter real quick, that part, what you were talking about, I just love that, that. So he says at the end, he said, well, maybe let's start at the beginning of second Peter. Okay. I like that Peter makes it really clear that he's like, I'm about to die. And so I really am just saying this because I want these things to be, I want these things to stick with you forever. Yes. Yes. So you can, so you can revisit them after I'm gone. Yeah. I love that. I think verse 15, it says, I'm especially eager that you have all this down in black and white so that after I tie, you'll have it ready for reference. Yeah. I I love that. that. I loved this section before that. Is that where you're going to go? Yeah. Go for it. So the thing that was, that stuck out to me was Peter's talking about like what faith, what our faith should look like, like, Mm -hmm. because you 
believe in Jesus, this is how you should be. Mm-hmm. And in verse nine, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And so I was thinking about, there was, I remember when we first moved to Virginia beach and became part of the church that we're a part of here when my old, like years ago, good grief, almost 15 years ago now, that was one of the things that was like, so life-changing for me was this idea of living life in light of the gospel, like that the gospel Mm -hmm. informs everything that we do. There's no like segmented areas of our life. And so as community groups, as small groups, like we focused on that for a long time. Like, what does that look like? How do we, Mm -hmm. how does the gospel inform everything? This is right here. This is how it informs it because the gospel, if we forget the gospel, if we forget that we're cleansed from our sin, then we're not going to live that way. Like that yes. awareness and constant reminder of what Christ did for us changes the way we live. Like it just does. Like there's no way around it. So, and so if you go even back further, this is because you're, yes, like this, what you're saying, like this hit me so fresh this week in a way that it never has before. And I thought it was just his wording, but I love that like for you, obviously this is your huge takeaway too. I love it so much. Or even before that though, when he says like all of the, the character that should be lived out in us, if we are living our lives correctly, says, don't lose a minute building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert, discipline, passionate, patience, reverent, wonder, warm, friendliness, generous, love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others with these qualities active and growing in your lives. No grass will go under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master, Jesus. No day will pass without your reward. I was like, that is a pro like, that's a beautiful promise. How can I live? Like, I just kind of stopped there before I even got to the part that you're talking about. I was like, how can I live every day receiving the reward that I've been given by Christ? How do I live that way every day and receive that reward? And that's the next sentence. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Like that is your, if you're not living that way, you it's because you're oblivious to the fact that all of your sin has been wiped off the books. Don't miss the gift. Like the real gift is that. And then if you're recognizing that every day, then you're, of course, you're going to experience all of the rewards that Jesus has for you because everything is seen through that lens of that hasn't been forgotten. First John actually says, reading it together in the same day was really powerful. First John eight through 10 at the very end, it must be verse 10. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God, make a liar out of him, a claim that only shows off our ignorance of God. Anyway, that just like those two different writers, two different times, basically saying that they, it's so important that we don't forget that our sin has been blotted out and we should be living every moment with that awareness. And I don't Lord, give me eyes to see. Yeah. What were you going to (laughs) say? Okay. So it's interesting to me that Eugene Peterson translates it's verse eight. He says, he talks about your reward. Mm. Like you, okay. So my version verse eight says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And 
he translated that useless and un, like keeping you from being useless and unfruitful. Eugene calls that our reward. Like the f- being being useful and is our reward. And so, yeah. and I you and I have talked before about when we're when we're walking in the spirit, mm. even if we don't see it, God will allow our lives to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Period. The end. And yes. that that idea of bearing fruit. Eugene Peterson calls a reward. Like I just, mm-hmm. and the fruit bearing fruit. We were, we've talked about this recently. Bearing fruit comes from the repentance of our mm-hmm. sin, not sinlessness. Right. But recognizing that we are sinful and yet our right. sin has been wiped right. clean. And we've been cleansed. Yeah. Yes. Let us not be oblivious that our old sinful life has been wiped off the books. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And I walk around oblivious so often. I keep, st- I'm still asking for God to keep like, humble me, show me, show me, mm-hmm. show me, show me all the ways that I'm sinful so that I can live repentant, live a life of repentance. All right. So then the very next section also was like, oh, reading Mark and then reading this is so good. Like, cause I keep reading Mark in light of Peter. Cause you know, I've fallen in love with Peter in the last couple of years. So I've been thinking about Peter as we've been reading Mark, since we think that he's probably the one that informed it. And now we see him say, and now reading second Peter as like, this is his letter. He's like, I've got, these are the things that I want to say. These are the things I want in black and white. So right. when, I For when I'm gone, you can refer to it. Yeah. And then he says 16 through 18, okay. we saw it with our own eyes, Jesus resplendent with light from God, the father, as the voice of majestic glory spoke, this is my son marked by my love focus of all my delight. We were there on the holy mountain with him. We heard the voice out of heaven with our very own ears. We couldn't be more sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory, God's voice, the prophetic word was confirmed to us. You'll do well to keep focusing on it. When when that happened, he told them not to tell anybody until it was time. Mm-hmm. He saw God's glory. And then he and James and John, and then they had to keep it to themselves. They weren't allowed to tell anybody about it until it was time. And now it's like, Peter's like, this is this the is thing the that same. I want to yeah. tell you. This is the first thing that I'm going to write down as reference. I saw the glory of Jesus Christ and the voice of God spoke audibly. This is my son, the focus of all my delight. I love that so much. And then on a personal application, right before that in verse um, 12 or 13, Peter says, this is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders. And I'm sticking to it as long as I live. So a little backstory yesterday, Kelly asked at one point, do I like writing the weekly truths? I think. And I was like, yeah, like I do. I very much do. It's a lot of work. And we were talking about that, but I love writing the weekly truths. And when she's talked about like writing shorter things for social media, I was like really excited about that because she was just talking about like, those are like short nuggets that are just really, really mm-hmm. good. Well, then she asked me to write the social media post for this morning and I was sitting there writing it. And as I'm writing it, Abby walks in and she goes, how do you do that? You're always smiling when you're working, you're sitting there typing and there's just this big smile on your face and you're always smiling when you're writing. I looked over at her and I was like, sure enough, like I am 
smiling. Like I was just enjoying every minute of writing that little, just a little nugget, a short little nugget. So anyway, when I read that, this, this morning, this is the post which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. I was kind of like, yeah, I do. I like doing these, like, I just want to do frequent reminders of who, who Jesus is. And I kind of like the idea of just doing it in a short little social media post frequently. Mm -hmm. So weekly truths might, maybe weekly truths will still happen, but they're just going to be short little they just like, won't be... social media oh, posts, yeah. which would be kind of fun. Yes, always that will a, be fun. A good little nugget. So when you read that, this is totally different direction, but I was thinking about Peter in the garden hmm. and cause waking you up with short little, it just, that's the, that's the picture that came to my uh, head of how like Jesus asked them to stay awake and pray with him and alert. they can't. And I wonder how, like, I mean, Peter has, obviously he's talking from his own experience as well as from the spirit, but just that I know, I know how often we need to be reminded. Like I get it. That's so so good. I'm going to remind you. And if you studied Mark, that chapter where Jesus does that, Jesus wakes them up three times. He was like, wake up, wake up, stay alert, wake up, stay alert. The rest of the chapter is him telling them about the trials that are to come and him being crucified and then him coming again. He's like giving them all of this and the entire, the entire chapter. It's just keep alert, keep watch, mm-hmm. stay watch, keep alert, keep alert, stay, stay, keep the watch, mm-hmm. stay alert, keep the watch, keep looking. You're absolutely right. Like that is totally, Peter that is Peter it. from the gospel saying mm-hmm. my post is to keep alert and to keep you alert. And I'm sticking to it as long as I live. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Where was the section where he talks about Paul? Yes. Is that the very end? It is actually. It is at the very end. 14 through 16. Yes. Yes. Because, okay, we like Galatians, Mm -hmm. there's that conflict, Peter and Paul, like Paul totally calls Peter out for basically being a people pleaser. And Peter says here, just as our dear brother, Paul has written according to the wisdom given to him. I don't know. I just thought. Read it. Read what yours has, because I'm so curious. This, this translation is so interesting. Okay. It's just this. He's just wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm starting 14. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace, which that I think is interesting. Peace comes when we're, when our lives reflect the spirit. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Hmm. That's interesting. The way that this writes it, it says some things Paul writes are difficult to understand. Yes, yes. Like it's... When I just read that again, I'm like, he's talking about Paul's, like yes. Paul's hard to understand. I loved that so much. I, that totally stuck out to me because it's true. Some things that Paul writes are difficult to understand. <laughs> he says, irresponsible people who don't know what they're talking about, twist them every which way. They do it to the rest of the scriptures too, destroying themselves as they do it. They do I kind of love that acknowledgement though from Peter. Me like, too. Yes. It makes me think of what we're talking about, even with Dive Collective. There are several different types of people who receive 
God's word different ways mm-hmm. and not one is better than the other. And Peter's like, I'm going to write it my way because it's going to be a little easier to understand for these people. And Paul's going to write it his way. And it might be difficult to understand, but it's just as important. Just, I don't know. I just really like that. One of my favorite things from first John, we saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. The experience of communion with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. I think it's the end of uh, into the wild. Like the very last line is something like, can you experience happiness if there's not somebody to experience it with you? Mm-hmm. It's something like that. I don't, it's not quoted verbatim for sure, but it's that idea. Like, is there such a thing as joy if nobody's if you can't share it yeah if you can't share it and so I just was looking at this and thinking like that is so true like why if you know the joy of Jesus Christ it only doubles your joy to share it with somebody else I this was the thing that actually made me think of you in 319 this is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. It made me think about how you and I like come at our hearts from different angles. Like I come at my heart as like just sinful and you come at it as like, God knows my motive. Like he, he sees my heart and well, the truth, if we belong to the truth, God is greater than our hearts and he will reassure our hearts basically when our hearts can. Mm. I just thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. I don't think I would have gotten that out of that. What does mine say? Yeah, I wonder what his. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're tr- we're living truly living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Yeah. yeah exactly what it says mm-hmm. i think that's what self-condemnation does like it like you can't forget the gospel right our sins have mm-hmm. been clean our sins mm-hmm. have been wiped clean that's who we are we are condemned but we are rescued like mm-hmm. we, we deserve yeah. to be condemned and yet like we but are his children the, we are because right in the rescue live right and right at the beginning of chapter three that's like later on in chapter three but at the very beginning See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where... That's who we really are. That's who we are, right. That's who we are. If you enjoyed this discussion, and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies, where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the Studies tab. And we will see you next week.